morning, everyone. Please open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 1. We'll begin our study there in just a moment. In Matthew chapter 1, thank you for being here. We have a great crowd. I know we have a number of visitors. May God bless you for being here with us tonight. Please come back and be with us again this evening at 5 o'clock as we continue to worship our Father in spirit and truth. And if you have any Bible questions, we'd love to study the Word of God with you. We're going to be studying from Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse number 18 here in just a moment. Well, we all know what time of year it is. It is the time of year where we're celebrating the holidays, and we all know that Christmas is approaching here in a few days. And many people are thinking about Jesus with Christmas almost being here. Now, we recognize and we understand that the Bible doesn't say anything about Christmas, that we know that it was a holiday created by man. And it's safe to say, too, that the birth of Jesus was was not on December 25th. Yet the holiday is almost here. But then December 26th will be here. Christmas will be over. And a question I think that is good for all of us to think about is, what are we going to do with Jesus? And let me explain to you what I mean by that. For the past few weeks, and I'm sure you've seen it as well, just driving here to the church building, you've probably seen a variety of, of, of churches or congregations in the area here that are having multiple worship services as the holidays are approaching. And I know there are going to be some that will have services tomorrow and probably some who will also have services on Tuesday. But for many people, what happens after that? For those who may put a big emphasis on Jesus during the holidays, a lot of talk about him, unfortunately, stops once December 26 rolls around. And if not careful, it can be easy for people to kind of put Jesus in a nice little wrapped box. People can put a lot of emphasis on the early years of Jesus Christ, but if not careful, can ignore so much more about his life. We know that that should never be the case, but sadly, that is often the case. We know that Jesus should never be confined to some box and certainly is not confined to some holiday or just a certain time of the year. And he's not merely to be spoken about merely on Sundays or on Wednesdays. In fact, he is to be first in our lives. He is to be head in our lives. Jesus would tell his apostles in Matthew 28, In verse number 19, that he has all power and authority. All power and authority has been given to him. And while it can be easy to look at other congregations and to see what people may or may not be doing during the holiday seasons, what about us? What are we going to do with Jesus? That's the title of our study this morning. You see, when it comes to Jesus, everyone in here must make a decision about what we're going to do with this man named Jesus and how we're going to respond to him. It's interesting, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see all the different interactions that Jesus had with men and with women. And you get to see the different responses that so many people had as they heard him speak or as they saw him perform miracles. And even when he died on the cross, there were some that as he interacted with them, that many of them listened to him. And yet, sadly, there were many who would often ignore what Jesus had to say. There were others who would believe the words of Jesus. And yet there were others who did not believe the words of Jesus. There were some who would obey his words, and there were some who would not obey his words. A question for us this morning, what are we going to do with Jesus? We can hear so much about this man that we read about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but what is our response going to be to him? 
with the things that he desires and demands from you and from me. And not just for today, not just for a short period of time in our lives, but for the rest of our lives. How are we going to respond to this man named Jesus? As we think about this man named Jesus, it is important that we understand who this man is. There are many people today that that really don't know who Jesus of Nazareth is. They may hear some things in the holiday season. They may watch a, a, a special on, on cable television or something like that. But many people have not really taken the time to open up the Bible and to get to know the real Jesus. And I want to talk about getting to know the real Jesus as we answer the question of what we're going to do with Jesus. There may be someone here this morning that really doesn't know that much about Jesus Christ. And so before you can even answer this question about what you're going to do with this man and the things that he said, you need to make sure that you understand who he is and what he is asking from all of us. And whether or not you're a Christian and maybe you've already obeyed the gospel, brothers and sisters, we never... We never reach a destination where we already know enough about Jesus. We need to be reminded about his life, and we need to be able to to share his life with others. And that's what we're going after each and every day. So first, as we talk about this question, what are we going to do with Jesus? Let's make sure that we understand some things about this man named Jesus. Our study is going to begin in Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, we get some details about the birth in the early years of Jesus Christ. And while it's good to emphasize his birth, it was miraculous in nature, the conception and the fact that he was born by, uh, by the Virgin Mary. There's not a lot of information about the early years. Look at Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, look at verse 18. We'll move through this quickly. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So we immediately see that Jesus was born so that one day he would die for the sins of the world. We see that everything involved with his, the conception of Mary was miraculous in nature. She, she was a, a virgin, and yet the Bible says in verse 20 that for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. When we look at the birth of Jesus, we see that it would fulfill Old Testament prophecy in verse 22. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. So there were so many amazing things that were taking place as we look at the birth of Jesus Christ. We get some additional details and information about Jesus in Luke chapter 2 in the early years of Jesus. Turn over to Luke chapter 2 real quickly here. In Luke chapter 2, Luke shares some additional information as we think about this man and how we're going to respond to him. Just by looking at his birth, we know that there's something unique. That We know just by his name that he's going to do something amazing. And this should get us to think about how we're going to respond to him. In Luke chapter 2 and verses 22 through 
uh, 22 through 23, we see that Jesus, he would be, he would be circumcised and he would be circumcised on, on the eighth day as was prescribed under the law of Moses. And later on in Luke chapter two and verse number 40, the Bible says the child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And we see this interaction. We're not going to read all of it, but we see this interaction between Jesus and his parents. And we quickly see that Jesus recognized what he was, what he was here to do, what his mission was, even from an early age. And so we get these details, and these details certainly are important concerning the life of Jesus Christ. And there are some other things that we could talk about, but those are some important details for us to think about. But we've got to move past merely his birth in early years. Those are important. Do not get me wrong. But the Gospels emphasize so much more as well. In particular, the Gospels emphasize the miracles of Jesus. And this is important as we think about what are we going to do with this man named Jesus? In Luke chapter 3 and verse 23, we see that Jesus would begin his ministry at about the age of 30. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of these Gospels, give us details about the miracles of Jesus. The miracles certainly were powerful, and they certainly served a purpose. They demonstrated his power over everything. The physical realm, the spiritual realm, sickness, nature, he had power over all things. And I want to turn over to the Gospel of Mark. And in Mark chapter 1, and really in the first six chapters, you see a variety of miracles that are taking place. And I just want to quickly share with you some of these miracles. The miracles of Jesus are powerful and they are important. They should not be overlooked. They shouldn't just be, oh yeah, I've heard that before. That's a really cool thing that he did. The miracles are written so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. In Mark chapter 1, we see an amazing miracle that took place, and this would happen quite a bit, where Jesus would cast out demons. In Mark chapter 1 and verse number 25, as this demon was speaking an unclean spirit, Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And verse number 30, Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. And he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. Look over in chapter 2. We see another miracle here where a man was lowered down into a house where Jesus was. And Jesus would see this man's faith. And in verse 5 of Mark chapter 2, the Bible says, Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus, aware in his spirit, and this is awesome. He was aware in his spirit, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, saying to them, said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has power or authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. You see the power of Jesus? He would heal this man, and he would also demonstrate that he had the power to forgive sins. The individuals recognize that only God has the power to forgive sins, and certainly he was demonstrating who he was. In Mark chapter 6, and there's more miracles that we could consider, in Mark chapter 6 and verse number 41, we see another 
uh, amazing miracle. They're all, they all could be described as amazing. In verse 41, he took five loaves and two fish. And looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves. And he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up 12 full baskets of the broken pieces and also the fish. There were 5,000 men who ate the loaves. What an amazing story of being able to feed 5,000 individuals with with such a small amount of food. Brothers and sisters, friends, visitors, what are we going to do with this man named Jesus who could perform these miracles? The miracles of Jesus cannot be ignored. And they cannot be counted out or anything like that. They cannot be denied. Even the enemies of Jesus recognized that he was indeed performing miracles. Question is, what are we going to do with this man who had this power to perform these miracles? We need to know this as we think about Jesus. And we need to know something else as we think about Jesus, that Jesus did not just remain a baby. You know, there's nothing wrong, again, emphasizing the early years of Jesus. But when you look at Jesus as a man, Jesus taught with power and he taught with authority and not always, not, not all the time did people really appreciate or like some of the things that he said, but his teaching was magnificent. In Matthew chapter seven, we see that after he completed the sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter seven and verse 28 and 29, the response of the people, the people just listening to him recognize there's something special about this man. And verse 28, the Bible says, when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. How was he teaching as one who had authority? Well, all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, he would often say, but I say to you, but I say to you, you've heard it said, but I say to you, helping individuals to see that they absolutely have to listen to him. And this is what we find time and time again. Now, some may be surprised to know that the teaching of Jesus at times, it was often very narrow. In John chapter 8, I'm turning over to John chapter 8, and I want you to notice in verse 23 and 24. In John chapter 8 and verses 23 and 24, listen to what Jesus said one day. And he was saying to them in verse number 23, You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I say to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. The fact that Jesus is even speaking about sins may not be that inviting to a lot of people. But make no mistake about it, my friend, Jesus spoke about sin. And he wanted people to see that he is the only way when it comes to salvation. This is what we see all throughout the Gospels. In fact, look over in Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 9, we see something here that is pretty scary. In Mark chapter 9 and verse number 43, in Mark chapter 9 and verse number 43, Jesus, as he was teaching here, he said, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands to go into hell into the unquenchable fire where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than having your two feet to be cast into hell. What is Jesus talking about? Why is he talking about hell? Well, because hell is real. And he warned individuals. That just as heaven is real, and just as individuals can go to heaven, that there is a danger because hell is real. And so his teaching was, could be narrow at times. 
And it could be very comforting and could be uncomfortable at times. In John chapter 14, as he's talking to, as he spoke to his apostles, certainly the teaching here of Jesus was very comforting. He would tell them while they had a hard time with this that he had to go away. He would remind them in verse number one, he said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. At my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That's good news. And while he was speaking to the apostles, there's, there's application for us that we can be with him one day in heaven, that heaven can be ours, and that he is preparing a place for us. The teaching of Jesus is amazing. And many individuals just aren't really that familiar with the teaching of Jesus. Jesus had no problem calling people out and helping people to see some things that they needed to improve upon. I'm looking over in Matthew chapter 15. And while we can't read all of this in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus did not have a problem helping people to see the truth of a matter. In Matthew chapter 15 and verse number 1, the Bible says, Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he answered and said to them, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or his mother. And by this you invalidated the word of God. For the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you. Jesus wanted people to understand the truth. And he would often call individuals out who needed to to change their mindset, to change their hearts. In fact, when you read Luke chapter 13, in Luke chapter 13, yes, Jesus came to provide salvation. Yes, he came to give us peace and mercy and grace and love, which is amazing. But he also said this in Luke chapter 13. In Luke chapter 13, when a great deal of suffering had taken place and people had questions for Jesus, why is this happening? Jesus would respond in verse number three. He said, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. You see, Jesus, he taught about a lot of things and he emphasized a lot of things, belief in him and turning away from sin and heaven and hell and so much more, how we live our lives and the teaching of Jesus Indeed, my friend, is really amazing. The question, though, is what are we going to do with this man named Jesus? We can't ignore his miracles. And we can't just say, okay, yeah, that's what he said. But we need to ask ourselves, what are we going to do with all of this? His birth and his early years, his miracles, his teaching. And what do we do with his death, his burial, and his resurrection? We talked a little bit about that during the Lord's Supper. No doubt about it, my friends. Jesus died. And he died because he came to serve and to be a ransom for you and for me. That's what he taught in Mark chapter 10 and verse number 45. John the Baptist would describe him as the Lamb of God that would take away the sin of the world. You see, he came here on a mission. He was born so that he would die for the sins of the world. He was betrayed by one of his own apostles and he would suffer terribly on the cross and before he ever got on the cross he would cry out to his father he did all of this because he loved us he did all of this because he cares he cares about you and he cares about me and he cares about where we're going to spend eternity
Indeed, he would die in Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 50. It's clear that Jesus died. In Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 50, Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. He died. And in verse number 59, Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. He was buried. And yet we also see that on the first day of the week in Matthew chapter 28, the gospel in Matthew chapter 28 says, Now after the Sabbath, as, he, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. That, my friend, is good news. Yes, he died on the cross. And yes, he would be buried in the tomb. But on the first day of the week, Jesus rose from the grave, never to die again. My friends, this is what we need to know as we think about Jesus. And yes, there's more that we could talk about. But he loves us. He loves you. He cares about you. And he paid the ultimate price. And he has risen from the grave. And he has ascended back into heaven. And he is reigning in heaven. And one day, he will return for his people. We need to know these things about Jesus because we still got to answer the question, what are we going to do with Jesus? How are we going to respond when it comes to this man named Jesus Christ? I'll just leave that up there. Hit that too fast, but that's okay. It's interesting when you look at the Gospels that you see so many different responses. And today you see a lot of different responses as well. You know, you would think that the fact that we measure our time by this man's life, we measure our time by this man's life. You would think that that would be enough to get more people to truly slow down and consider Jesus of Nazareth. If a person could walk on water, turn water into wine, cause the storms and the seas to cease, and allow Peter to also walk on water, you think that would be enough for everyone to say, I'm going to believe in this man, I'm going to follow this man, I don't care what he says. You would think that when you see all the miracles that he performed and the fact that he could raise the dead in the middle of a funeral and predict his own death, how long he was going to be in the tomb, and the fact that he has risen from the grave, you would think that that would be enough for everyone to say, I want to follow this man named Jesus. And the fact that he offers mankind everything, eternity, salvation, forgiveness, grace, mercy, and peace, a family. You would think that everybody would say, that's what I want. I want to follow this man named Jesus. But for many, that doesn't happen. And a lot of people may be surprised, why doesn't that happen? What we've seen from the Gospels, and we're going to see here real quickly here, that there were a lot of different responses concerning Jesus. And that's why I'm asking the question today, what are we going to do with Jesus? If you're not a Christian, you need to really think about this man named Jesus. He's not just a man to think about during the holidays or when it's convenient or if we're in trouble or if we need something. He's everything. He's the son of God. But what are we going to do with this man? Now, I already put up on the slide. It got up there a little bit faster than I thought. We see that there were some in, in the Gospels that, that they didn't believe. 
Some responded with unbelief. Look over in John chapter 7 here, in John chapter 7. And I want you to notice this is actually a continuation of what took place in John chapter 5, where Jesus had healed a man. And in John chapter 7, the Bible says the officers then, in verse 45, the officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said to them, why did you not bring him? Talking about Jesus. The officers answered, never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. The Pharisees then answered them, You have not also been led astray, have you? No one of the rulers or Pharisees has believed in him, has he? They're saying, you're not going to believe in this man. None of us have believed in this man. Why would you ever believe in this man? It's amazing that many individuals responded in that nature. Look over in John chapter 12. We see how some others responded and what they did with Jesus. In John chapter 12, look over in John chapter 12. There it is there. Some believed, and yet some were ashamed. In John chapter 12, and I'm looking at verse number 42 and 43. John 12, verse 42 and 43. It says, Nevertheless, many of the rulers believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Yeah, sure, they believed, but they essentially were ashamed of him. Because they were more concerned about what men would say. Brothers and sisters, friends, what are we going to do with Jesus? Are we going to truly believe in him and not be ashamed and stand up for who he really is? There were some, however, that that did believe in him, that apparently were not ashamed. And yet we see that they would that they eventually would turn away. In John chapter six and verse 66, after the teaching of Jesus, what we find here is is scary and amazing because some of the disciples of Jesus we're not talking about those who didn't believe. It says, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, you do not want to go away also, do you? There's a powerful question for all of us. There were many who did believe in him, and yet many of them would eventually turn away from Jesus. Brothers and sisters, friends, what are we going to do with this man named Jesus? Not enough just to say things. Are we truly going to follow him and truly submit to him? There were those who just didn't believe. There were those who did believe but were ashamed. There were those who did believe, and they weren't necessarily ashamed, but they eventually turned away. What are we going to do with this man named Jesus? There were also those who believed, and they obeyed, and they continued to follow Jesus Christ. This is powerful, and this is what Jesus wants us to do. Thomas, when he touched Jesus, when he saw Jesus, he said, My Lord and my God. On the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, when individuals heard the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, they asked Peter and the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And And Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, there were many in the first century that believed, that were not ashamed, and there were many that would remain with Jesus. That's what they did with Jesus. In fact, it really gets powerful. When you think about men like Stephen, remember Stephen? Maybe some of you are not familiar with this man named Stephen. In Acts chapter 7, we don't have time to read all of it, but in verses 54 through 58, Stephen would die. He would die because of what he preached concerning Jesus. Remember James in Acts chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2? James would die. Because of what he believed concerning Jesus Christ. What about Antipas in Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 13? 
a faithful witness, and he would die because he was following Jesus Christ. So many in the first century had the mindset of, I will die for you, Lord. That's a powerful thing to really think about. But the question is, what about us? What are we going to do with this man named Jesus? Yeah, it's good to know some facts about Jesus. But is the, the information that we have, is it truly going to change us? You see, Jesus desires all men to follow him. And the thing you got to love about Jesus is that he doesn't sugarcoat anything. He's very clear. He's very direct. He said, you must follow me if you want to be saved or else you're going to die in your sins. And he's clear even when it comes to discipleship. He wants people to really think about whether or not they're going to follow him. In Luke chapter 14, in Luke chapter 14, I can't get away from this passage here. As he's speaking to large crowds in verse 25 that are following him, he says this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. See what Jesus is doing there? Jesus is saying, you got to decide, what are you going to do with me, with the words that I teach, with the miracles that I performed? How are you going to respond? Now, you can follow me. That's what I want you to do. But it will come with a price. And yet the free gift of salvation is worth it. What are we going to do with this man named Jesus? Every day, we have to make the decision of what we're going to do with Jesus of Nazareth. You see, he's not to be an afterthought. He's not to be considered when we have more time after the holidays when things slow down. The Bible makes it clear that he's supposed to be first in our lives. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, our lives are to be hidden in him. We are to be seeking after him on a daily basis. Now, we've seen that Jesus, he loved us. The question for us is, are we going to love him? He kept his father's commandments. The question for us is, are we going to keep his commandments? He became a servant to serve and give his life a ransom question for us is, are we going to become servants for him? What are we going to do with this man named Jesus? Maybe someone is thinking about following Jesus. I want to end with one last passage in Acts chapter 26. In Acts chapter 26, there was a king. His name was King Agrippa. And Paul had an opportunity to talk to him. In Acts chapter 26, Paul, he taught him the gospel about Jesus. And in verse 27, he asked Agrippa, Agrippa, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. Agrippa replied to Paul, in a short time, you will persuade me to become a Christian. Some other translations say almost, almost you persuade me to become a Christian. That's what Paul was going after. He wanted this man to become a Christian. Listen, I want you to become a Christian. I'm not trying to hide anything that I'm doing. I want to I want us all to know the word of God and to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and to follow him because he is the way, the truth and the life. And we want you to become a Christian if you're not. And if you're not a Christian, almost persuade it. It's good. But it's not good enough. Jesus wants you to go all the way. And if we can help you do that, that's what we want to do. We want you to be saved. We've been celebrating the fact that souls have been saved here at West Main in 2018. 
A number of souls have been saved. And more souls are going to be saved in 2019. It's a big deal when salvation, when someone receives the free gift of salvation. And we want to help you with that. If you are a Christian, continue to be persuaded to follow Jesus, to believe in him, and not to leave him. Let's serve this man. He's more than a man. He is the son of God. If you're subject to the invitation, come now as we stand and as we sing.